Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Just a little bit about, about my story and church planting journey. Um, so, grew up in the UK, as many of you know, um, from the age of 6 to 19. So, used to be an actor in the UK, my dream and my desire, my goal was to go to Hollywood. Um, and if you ask me as a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, Marlon, what do you want to be when you're older? I'll tell you I'm going to be an actor. Always had vision, um, always had purpose, was always focused. And um, I received my, what we call in the, in the acting world, my, my break when I was 13 years old and did a TV series in the UK called Pig Heart Boy. It was about a boy that had a pig's heart transplant. And, um, and there were maybe a thousand people that auditioned for the role and I went through several auditions where they kept you know, reducing the number each time. And the final audition was me and three others and by God's grace, um, I, I got the role. So I played the, the character of the boy with the pig's heart transplant back in the 90s, 99. There was a lot of talk about a pig's heart being the closest thing to a human heart. So there was a book that was out called Pig Heart Boy and they made the book into a TV series. So that was my, that was my break and then um, from there, uh, lots of theater, um, lots of TV. And then 19, my mother invited me to church with her one day, said, son, would you come to church with me? Uh, and I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, kind of lived a double life. One side was acting, the other side kind of got caught up with, with the street life of London. But my mom was praying for me and my brothers for many years, uh, many, many years. And um, I remember nights of her coming in and anointing us with oil and just laying hands on us and praying with us. And uh, so I never had anything against God. I always knew he was real, that he existed. So one day she says, hey, son, come to church with me. So I said, absolutely. So 19th birthday, go to church in London. Uh, there's maybe 900 people in the room. I'm sitting in the back, and I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking specifically to me, that the word that was being spoken was specifically for me. And that was, that was the beginning of the greatest transformation of my life. And after that, it was a, it was a quick change, and I surrendered all to him, and then my agent, she gave me a call. I was maybe six months into my faith, um, spent a lot of time on the streets evangelizing, just wanted people to know Jesus. And uh, my agent, she calls me about six months into my faith, and she says, Marlon, there's this new TV series for you, nine episodes long. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, I'll, I'll play the role, just send me the script in the mail so I can get uh, familiar with my character before I saw the, the agents and the directors. And the character they wanted me to play on screen reminded me of my old life. So I read this script and, um, and I said to myself for the first time, I said, I said, no, I'm not gonna play this role, I'm not gonna play this character because I'm trying to be an example now. Uh, and I'm gonna be on screen playing this role that reminded me again of my old life. So called my agent and I said, no, I'm not gonna go for the role. And that was my first time ever turning anything down. And she was very upset, very upset. And after that phone conversation, I heard the Holy Spirit say, lay it down. Lay down your acting career and come and follow me. And that was the hardest decision of my life. For the first time, I'm 19 and I have no idea what I'm going to do. I've always had vision, always had focus. Everything, everything I, I, I gave, all of my energy, strength, attention was for acting. And the Lord says, 
lay it down. Come, come and follow me. So, well, actually, he says lay it down. Not come and follow me, but just, just lay it down. So, so I lay it down, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I may be uh, two months just, just still sharing my faith and, you know, and, uh, and growing in my faith. And then the, the pastor at the church that I attended came to me and said, Marlon, we really feel like you're called to full-time ministry. And when he said that, it's like the light bulb came on. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So I went into full-time ministry when I was 19, and I've been doing it ever since. And always knew that one day um, the Lord would use me to plant a church, and that's kind of where we are today. So just a little bit about my story um, and what the Lord has done. But he's done so much more, so much more than that. Um, the name, the church name, the Way City Church was inspired by the Book of Acts. The, the earliest church followers they were known as followers of the way, which of course was Jesus. And we, here at the Way City Church, like the earliest believers, we want to be known as followers of the way. And furthermore, in a, in a day and age where some churches can be somewhat timid in proclaiming the name of Jesus, we want to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus from Woodbridge to the ends of the earth. Amen? We want to boldly proclaim that he is the way, the only way, the only truth, and the only life. So that's where the inspiration comes for, um, for the name, the way. The city. So, so why, why Woodbridge? There's so many reasons why I could tell you Woodbridge. It's our city. It's our community. We live here. We love the people here. We know the needs here. It's a fast-growing and developing city. But the three main reasons why Woodbridge is this. Number one, because... God called me here. That trumps everything, right? God called me here and I said, yes. Number one. That's the number one, the number one reason why Woodbridge. Number two is the spiritual climate here. The spiritual climate here is dry, believe it or not. So only 16% of those that live here in Woodbridge would call themselves Christians. And I think we all know that everyone who calls themselves a Christian isn't necessarily a Christian. But 16% would, would call themselves believers and call themselves Christian. And number three would be its diversity. So Woodbridge is very diverse. And we desire to have a diverse church that looks like heaven. Amen? And Woodbridge is a diverse city. And by the way, let me just make this clear, right? For if, if you come from a, a small town um, that, is, that is not diverse, then you don't need to feel ashamed of not having a diverse church. Amen. Amen, church. It, yeah, if you're in a town and your town is, is, is 95% one way, then, then you do ministry there as God has called you to, to do ministry there, and don't, and don't worry about, about at least um, uh, ethnic and racial diversity if your community doesn't have that. But we live in a very diverse area in, in every way, so we want to have a diverse church. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, according to a Barna study, 
churches in America are 10 times more ethnically segregated than their neighborhoods. And churches are 20 times more ethnically segregated than their schools. So that, so that is not what we want. The demographics here, 55% white, 23% black, 13% Hispanic, 10% Asian. 24% of the population were born in a different country. Um, the median household income here has, has risen to about 113,000 now, and about 8% of individuals here live beneath the poverty line. So very diverse um, area in, in every way. Our mission, our mission, we exist to reach the lost and to disciple the believer. That's our very mission. And our mission statement, we, we exist to reach the lost and to disciple the believer. That is why we exist. The, the church exists to glorify God and to adopt and to continue his mission. I'm going to say that again. The church exists to glorify God and to adopt and to continue his mission. That's what the church is here for. And if the church is not moved by his mission, then who will be? If the church is not moved by his mission, then who will be? A reminder that, that this church, the Way City Church, is not the church that you came from. And don't try to make it like your previous church and don't compare it to your previous church. And by the way, I'm going to say this too. The only reason why you should leave a church, two main reasons why you should leave a church, number one is because of bad doctrine. Number two is to help a new church get started. No other reasons. Really. But bad doctrine, for the most part, Maybe there's something I'm missing. But for the, for the most part, the only reason why you should leave is because of bad doctrine or because you're going on mission to help a new church get established. Amen. Amen. So we, we as a church, we've, we've learned so much from, uh, from so many other churches, but we don't seek to be to be any other church, right? We are our own church um, that God has called and ordained us to be in Woodbridge. Someone once told me that you can only preach what you believe. You can only preach what you believe. That's a simple statement. And as simple as that statement may sound, it hit me in a very profound way because I acknowledge that there's a lot of, there's a, there's a weight and there is an anointing and a grace when you preach and teach that which you are personally convicted by and believe in. So you're the most effective basically when you are being you. When you're being yourself is when you are the most effective. When you're being yourself and speaking what you truly believe that the Lord is calling you to speak. And it reminds me of, um, of David. When David was convicted by the, the threats that Goliath was, was breathing against the children of Israel. 
And everyone was afraid and terrified. But, but David was, was convicted. And he was like, how dare this man disrespect my God? And then, and then Saul came to David and tried to put his armor on David. But Saul's armor became a burden for David, not a blessing. Because David wasn't used to it. Another man's armor became his greatest burden. So David had to remove the armor and fight this battle the way he was trained and, and accustomed to and familiar with, with fighting. So he took the armor off and he did what he knew best and that was his slingshot. And the Lord used that to take down Goliath. So I said all that to say our church is unique. It's unique to our context and again we should not try to be like any other church. And we should not expect to be as any other church. If we attempt to be like someone else, we lose ourselves. Amen? In the process. Churches are, are full of people. We mentioned this briefly last week, right? Churches are full of people. We are the ecclesia, right? It's the gathering together of people. That's what the church is. So it's not, it's not the building, but it's the gathering together of people. So the only way that you could have two identical churches would be to have exactly the same people gather in two places. Are you following me? It's, it's impossible for you to have two churches that are the same. Because churches are the gathering and the collection of the people. So the only way where you can have two identical churches is if you have the same people that meet here, meet over there. And even that would be the same church, just moving. <laughs> Location. So, again, we are unique. I'm stressing that point this morning. I've been, you know, um, thinking, thinking to myself, you know, how, how the Bible speaks about, you know, blessed, blessed are the doers, blessed are the doers. And that's just been, been ringing in me, blessed are the doers, blessed are the doers. And I want to confess to you one of my greatest fears in, in planting this church. One of my greatest fears in planting this church, and again, I told you, this morning's going to be a little more, um, less direct ministry, a, a little more information that I'm going to be presenting to you. But one of my greatest fears is that a comfortable environment will be established for you. That's one of my greatest fears in planting this church. That a comfortable environment will be created for you. And that you would fall into Satan's, one of Satan's biggest traps. And that's hearing the word of God, being accustomed to hearing his word week after week after week and doing nothing with it. Number one, Satan doesn't want you to be here. Alright, so many of you struggle to be here this morning. Satan never wants you to, to be here and to get to this place. But if you overcome that and you get to this place, then he wants to distract you while you're here. If you're not distracted while you're here, and you hear the word, and you take heed to the word, then when you leave, he wants you to do nothing with the word that you heard. 
He couldn't stop you from coming. He couldn't stop you from inclining your ear to hear what the Spirit was saying to you. But next, he would do his best to stop you from doing the word that you heard. And so many believers fall into this trap week after week. They just want to hear it. Give me a fresh word, Pastor. Fresh word, fresh word, fresh word. Amen. Praise God. But what are you doing with it? What are you doing with the word that you're hearing? And that's one of my greatest fears. That an environment will be created for you where you're comfortable. It's one of Satan's biggest traps. So many churches uh, speak about, about mission and reaching the lost, but if we're, if we're honest, many churches are not doing that. Don't get me wrong, there are churches that are doing that. But I would say that the majority are not about the mission. They're not. They're not actively pursuing and reaching the lost. And it's, it's important that we're, that we're reminded that our Lord and Savior, this is what He came to do. And we're going to get to that verse a little bit later. Let me not get ahead of myself. My goal is, is not to compete with any other church in the city. That's not my goal. And we are not the only great church in Woodbridge. There are other good churches in Woodbridge too. And, and God loves Woodbridge. And God has been moving in this city before I was ever born. For God loves the city. But God has, has, has called us to be a part of His work and His mission in this place. And we will be obedient to that. So I want you guys, I want us all as the church to, to wake up and to remember who we are. We are the church. We are Christ's body. Amen? So I, 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 I pray that you would wake up and, and, and remember who you are connected to. I remember that, that scene in the, in the Lion King for you guys who have seen it. When Mufasa says to his son Simba, he says, you have forgotten who you are. And he says, remember who you are. You are my son, the king. Remember who you are. And I pray this morning that you would remember who you are. That you would remember who, who our king is. That we are a part of his body. And the body cannot be divided from the head. Christ has a mission. And we're a part of it if we're part of his body. Amen? There's a very strategic reason, right, why, why um, after we were baptized, we didn't ascend to heaven. There's a reason for that. I think it will be perfect that after baptism, you just go to heaven. Straight to heaven. I think that would be perfect. But there's a reason why we remain on the earth. And it is for mission. It is for mission. We are needed here not to live a comfortable life, but to continue His mission. Amen. Vision.
The vision of the Way City Church is to reach the lost and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. We reach the saints and the lost by being relevant to our generation. We are completely open to become all things to all people only without the compromise of the word of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we desire to be a mission-based, multi-racial, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, economically diverse church that loves God passionately and has a zeal for the spiritual development of people. That is our vision as a church. The vision of the Way City Church is to reach the lost and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So, first part, our vision is to reach the lost. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. In Luke 19.10, it is revealed to us that the purpose why the Son of Man came, the, the purpose why Jesus came, was to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why He came. That's why our Lord and Savior came, to seek and to save that which was lost. The church exists to glorify God and to continue His mission. And again, if the church is not moved by His mission, then who will be? And I, I, I pray that you would love lost people. I pray. Our church will never love lost people if you don't. So, so I pray that you would love lost people. And, and here's the thing. Your, your love for the lost must always be, be greater, right, than your fear of rejection or insecurity. Right? Because there are some fears that we have sometimes, right? But your love for the lost always has to be greater than your fear of rejection or insecurity that you have. And if your love for the lost is not greater than that, then you will not love the lost. And you will not be on mission. I want to remind you as a, as a believer, when you go to work, the main purpose why you're there Because we've forgotten that. The, the main purpose why you're in your neighborhood, why you're in your community, why you work where you work, the main purpose is not the check that you receive. I praise God for the check that you receive. It's a blessing. But understand that God has called you there as believers for a greater purpose. If not, then you're there for the same, same reason why your ungodly co-worker is there. There has to be a difference between you and him, or you and her. There has to be a difference. So you're there for a greater purpose than they are. So remember that.
And don't forget that. The vision of the Way City Church is to reach the lost and to equip the saints, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. We can turn there. Let's, let's turn to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's read that again. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. So we not only believe in, in reaching the lost, but we also believe in discipling the believer for the purpose of the work of the ministry. You see, when, when you think ministry, you think me. But when I think ministry, I think you. So we have a problem. And I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> because I'm speaking the word. That's why. So when you think ministry, you think me. When I think ministry, I think you. One of my, my key roles as a, as a pastor and as a teacher is to equip you for the work of the ministry. That's one of my, one of my key roles. So I, I pray that you would be renewed even right now with your mind through God's word. That you stop seeing ministry as the role of, of pastors and, and elders. I pray that your mind would be renewed right now. That you stop seeing ministry as, as the work of some, as the work of a few. But I pray that you would see it now as your role. That you would see it as your role. And I pray that you would take ownership of what the Word of God says about you this morning. What God's Word is, is asking us to do is mirrored by what Christ did. When, when Christ came here, he, he raised up, trained up, discipled 12 men, 12 individuals, and, and he equipped them for the work of the ministry. That's what he did. And while the disciples may have seen Christ as the primary minister, Christ saw them as ministers of the gospel that would continue the mission. Twelve are better than one. Seventy are better than one. Christ was apostle, 
prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Christ was all those things. And there's, and there's no other man, there's no other person that has all five of these offices. Even though I know some people believe they do. But there's no one individual that has all five of these offices. And I believe that these five offices are spread among the body of Christ. The five offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. These five offices, they're, they're spread out among the body of Christ. Again, there's not one person that, that holds all these five. And again, I know there are people who believe they hold all five of these, but only Christ did that. Amen? Only Christ. These gifts are, are spread out among the body of Christ. So Christ, he trained up 12 and he equipped them for the work of the ministry. What, what an amazing strategy that he had to equip 12. That was his strategy that we see. We also see that Jesus Christ clearly was not an insecure leader. He was able to, to raise up others and watch them do the work of the ministry. So the vision of the Way City Church is to reach the lost and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We reach the saints and the lost by being relevant to our generation. We're completely open to become all things to all people, only without the compromise of the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Let's, let's read that. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. We're speaking about mission and vision this morning. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Verse 22, to the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. We will do whatever it takes to, to win lost people without compromising the message without compromising God's word. We become all things to all people without compromising God's word. We, we remember that Jesus, that he left the 99 to go after the one in Luke 15, the parable that we covered a couple weeks ago. Right? He's the good shepherd. And he leaves the 99 to go after the one. He does whatever's necessary 
to reach lost people. And we are to become all things to all people only without the compromise of God's word. Our, our vision, vision strategy is, is GED and we're going to cover this um, in a couple of weeks or so. We're going to go over our, our vision, uh, vision strategy in more detail. But GED, we grow, we evangelize, we disciple. We grow through the study of God's word and worship. We're going to break that down and speak about that. We evangelize by pursuing the lost and by sharing our story, which leads to his story. And we disciple by building relationships and by sharing our very own lives. A part of our vision is also to, to plant more churches. So by within the next five years, our vision is to, is to plant another church. That's a part of our vision. Healthy churches plant churches. And, and by the way, we, um, we already uh, helped to, to start a church and support a church in Ethiopia um, that, you guys, that you guys know of. So, um, so also be, be praying. Be praying for the church planters over there. My father-in-law, he's there currently. And you know about the, um, the war in the Tigray region, in the northern region. And um, the, the church planter that we're supporting, so we haven't been able to, to contact him in, in quite a while. Um, so they're in a very, a very dangerous area. And actually, the whole church planting network out there, uh, my father-in-law has, has not been able to contact. So, um, yeah, say a prayer for them this week. Be thinking about them this week and, and, um, and be praying for them this week. Let's close with Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We're going to close with this. Mark 16, 14 through 20. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. This is Jesus. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So Jesus appears to the disciples and he tells them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
And he tells them the signs that will follow. And then, verse 19. After the Lord had spoken to them, last chapter of Mark 16. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. And then we see this beautiful imagery that's recorded for us and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father because his work was finished. And Jesus truly believed, listen to me, Jesus truly believed that the ones that he equipped, the ones that he prepared, the ones that he invested in, the ones who believed in him would most assuredly, without a doubt, take the message, continue the mission, and spread the gospel. Amen. Jesus believed that. So we see here, he's here, and he, and he tells them, this is what I want you to do. He says, go. And then he ascends. And then he sits down at the right hand of the Father. And he's, he's giving you the baton. And he says, I, I trust. I trust that you will continue my mission. I believe that you will continue. And he sits down at the right hand of God. The disciples in this text right here, Mark 16, the disciples in this text, they're dead and gone. They're alive in Christ. But they're no longer here on the earth. These disciples. But they did their part. The Bible speaks about David served God in his generation. One of my favorite scriptures. And then he fell asleep. They, they did their part. They're, they're gone from the earth, but they did their part while they were here. These men that we read about here, they're gone. But they did their part while they were here, and now God has entrusted you with the gospel message. Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the Father. He's still seated at the right hand of the Father. He's still seated. He still trusts. He still believes that you, that our generation, that we will continue this mission. He's still seated. He sat down when he gave them the commission, and he's still seated now. Believing that his church, that his body will continue this mission. Are you hearing me? Are you following? Amen. What an honor and a privilege to be entrusted by God, to be entrusted with his, with his word 
and with his mission. What an honor and a privilege. It's not a burden, it's a blessing. But I'm going to tell you this. He believes. He believes in you. We believe in him, but he also believes in you. Christ believes in you. And do you know why? Because you're a part of his body. He believes in his body. He believes in the church. So if he believes in his body, if he trusts in his body, if he believes in, in the church, then he believes in you. You who are a part of his body, you who are believers I'm talking to. So yes, we, we believe in him. But he believes that you will continue this mission. He's given you the baton. He sat down at the right hand of the Father and he says, my church will continue this mission until I return. And it's a beautiful thing. So I pray that you can see the, the, um, not, not the burden of ministry. This isn't anything legalistic that I'm talking about. This is like... Freely we've received, freely we give. Like, you know, we've been transformed. You know, like, we want other people to be transformed. We've been loved, we want to love others. Like, this is reasonable. And finally, the, the most beautiful thing is that we are not working alone. He is working with us. Co-laborer. Verse 20. And they went out. Man, they, man, man they, they took what Jesus said seriously. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. I love that. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Co-laborers with him. They were working with him. And he's working with you and his spirit lives and dwells in you to empower you and the righteous are as bold as a lion. Let's remember the mission and not forget it. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.